kind of like this, okay? Just, just hold that me. Good to see some familiar faces I haven't seen in a while this morning. We're glad you're here, okay? You got your Bible like this? Go ahead and split it in half. So you're probably somewhere, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, somewhere there. We know that the major prophets are to the right of these books, okay? So if you find your way to Ezekiel chapter 37. WKYT in Wilmore, Kentucky reported it this way. The 16-day spontaneous spiritual revival at Asbury University's campus is in its last day in person. This was Thursday. The nonstop praise and worship have been going on for almost 400 hours. As thousands of people from all over the country and the world descended on the town of Wilmore, people are asking, where does the spiritual experience go from here? The revival started on the morning of February 8th when students attended an ordinary chapel prayer that became extraordinary. I love that statement. The power of God is extraordinary. Anybody want to say amen? But yet we have settled for ordinary. At the end of the service, one of the town's residents, George Demain, was interviewed and he said, students were dismissed it seems as a few students lingered, and we really had a strong sense that we should worship, and the more we worship, the more we sense God's presence. And then God breathes his breath of life into a room. It will just self-sustain for as long as people remain humble and united. Wilmore is a, the home for 6,000. Listen to this. But it was hosting Fifty to 70,000 in the town during the revival. Law enforcement said, we cannot fit one more car into Wilmore. Uh, Kevin Brown, the president, wrote these words. Whether you call this a revival, a renewal, an awakening, an outpouring, what we have experienced on our campus is unlike anything I have ever seen in my life. Headlines and some media outlets said that the revival is ending. But folks, I want to tell you, when God moves, revival doesn't end. It's just beginning. He says, while it's true that Thursday evening concluded the last service in Hughes Auditorium on the Asbury campus, we know this is not the conclusion to the hungry hearts being stirred and the response that has been seen by seeking the Lord Jesus. The president said, I've observed these things. Radical humility, compassion, honesty, confession, and life-altering commitments. It's been a picture of what the Bible refers to in Galatians as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I'm asking this morning for this service not to be an ordinary service. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Lord, uh, there are Christians here today that are hurting. There are Christians here today that are drifting. There are folks here today wondering. There are people here today searching. And Holy Spirit of God, you reveal yourself. That's what you do best. 
and help us to not get in the way of what you want to do this hour. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ezekiel chapter 37 is the story of the dry bones. When you think about dry things, one thing I've learned in my life is that dry things burn quickly and that dry things oftentimes are ready to become fire. I wonder sometimes if God can't use the dry hearts of his children that have grown callous to the good things of God or perhaps uh, uh, calloused hearts because of the pain of life and we wonder and we ask, where God are you? Where God are you? I thought you were with me. I thought you were with me. Those may have been some very similar questions to the nation of Israel. Because chapter 37 in the book of Ezekiel really is an explanation to what God wanted to do in Israel in chapter 36. Even though the enemy looked like it had a foothold, he was going to bring his people back together. And chapter 37 is the picture of the Ezekiel the prophet letting the people know that God had a plan. Chapter 37, verse one, if you're with me, say amen. The Bible says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will put sinews, I will put tissue on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And brothers and sisters, I want you to be reminded this morning that there is a sound of revival. Listen to what scripture says. And suddenly, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O oh, my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in, in your land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. It's interesting to me 
that when God promises Israel, this is what I will do for you, I'll show you, I'll prove to you that I'm faithful and I'm worthy. I wanna remind you this morning that God doesn't have to do anything for you. He's already done it. I wanna remind you this morning that God doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. If he wanted to, he could drive us to our knees and make us worship him. But in love he came, in love he gave, in love he died, and he gives us life as a gift when we receive it. This past week, uh, many of you are aware, uh, the church my mom and dad go to, their seniors pastor, John Seagraves, some of you old General Motors folks might know that name. John Seagraves lost his 51-year-old son, Mark. He has a service every week at the church called Classics for the senior adults. And to tell you the truth, I didn't realize this. I thought classics were like for older folks. It starts like at age 55. I looked at Renee and said, we are classics. Well, he asked me to lead their classics this Thursday as they prepared for the funeral Friday, and I did what I do here. I preached the very same message I preached here at 10.30 Wednesday and 6.30 Wednesday night, uh, Colossians chapter two. I preached that Thursday morning. At the end of the service, a fellow was making his way toward me. Now, most of the time when people make their way toward you after you preach, they wanna tell you something or they wanna instruct you or they wanna give you something you could have done better. And I stood there and I thought, okay. And he came forward and, and this will bless your heart if you ever get the opportunity to preach or teach in another church. You ready? Harold, you ready for this? I'm not sure I agree with what you just preached. Okay. Now, first of all, that didn't scare me because I knew what I preached. But he said, I'm not so sure you get to heaven by faith alone. I said, I know what the Bible says. Faith without works is dead. We understand that. I don't work my way to the cross. I work my way from the cross. There is, listen to me, folks. Grace plus anything is not grace. There's absolutely nothing you can do to improve your standing in heaven. There's nothing you can do here to merit God thinking that you're something so special that your goodness will get you to heaven. That's why Jesus died. And as we're in the season of Lent, as, as we look at moving toward Easter, I wanna remind you this morning that had there been another way, surely a loving God would not have sent his only begotten son to a cross. I didn't tell that guy this, all this. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't go into that. I just stood there and I said, I get it, I get it. But it seems like you're adding something to what it is to be saved. And here is your biggest problem this morning. Listen to me. If you're here and you think that your life is good enough to get you to heaven, here it is. How good is good enough? There's the problem. And I believe the Bible says that heaven is a place for perfection. Any, any perfect people want to raise your hand? Because there are none righteous, no, not one. The only perfection in heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get there, listen, your sentence has been paid for. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Anybody want to say amen to that? Man, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord I had good preachers when I was a boy who taught me that. 
Thank the Lord that I had faithful Sunday school teachers that would teach me that if there were six kids there or if I were the only kid there. Amen? The good news is, when you think about what Jesus did, he accomplished it all. I'm just not so sure I believe with what you're preaching. Folks, let me tell you something. When my opinion is contrary to Scripture, I need to adjust my opinion, not Scripture. And we live in a culture that wants revival but is not willing to pay the price. I am amazed at the critics I have read who have been writing about the Asbury revival. Most of them pastors. Well, I'm gonna wait till I hear from so-and-so. Let me tell you something. We don't have to hear from so-and-so. If, if a God-ordained move of the Spirit of God takes place, you're gonna know God shows up. You're gonna know God shows up. So we look at chapter 37, which really paints the picture of God doing a fresh work in the life of Israel. Here's what we know about God when we see this. He's a God of hope. Israel would be restored, and it would be a clear word from the Lord. Now, if you look back at chapter 36, chapter 36, look at verse 7. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. No doubt Israel had caused much of their shame. They had, they had turned their own way. The cycle in the Old Testament was Israel turning from God, God getting a hold of Israel, and Israel repenting and coming back to God. But often, too, Israel faced enemies. And God would take care of the enemy. You might be living in a life and maybe you're working a job and you're seeing somebody who's not faithful or somebody who's not trustworthy or, or you're seeing a dishonest person somehow climb the ladder in the business that you're in or the office that you're in. Let me tell you something. God will work all that out. You just keep doing the right thing. You keep letting people see Jesus in you. Israel would be restored. Look at verses eight and nine, chapter 36. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people, Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. God is a God of hope. And the proof would be favor and fruit. They'll see your fruit. So I get it when somebody says, there's gotta be more to faith. Well, according to the Old Testament, Abraham's righteousness was because of his faith, his trust in God. The thief on the cross didn't have a whole lot of time to do a whole lot of good. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And aren't you glad this morning, folks, that when you gave your life to Jesus, that you're in the palm of his hand? Aren't you glad this morning that he, he took all of the heat off of you of wondering how good is good enough? He said, there's only one way, and I'll pay for it. If you come by way of the cross, you can have it. I love that. I love that. So what we see here is renewal and revival in the nation of Israel, and I believe if God wants to do it in the nation of Israel, does he want to do it in the heart of you, his believer, his, his children? So 14 verses, chapter 37, 
is what many have called a national revival or a national resurrection. When you look at those first few verses, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me in the midst of the valley. And that valley was full of dry bones. Here's the first thing I want us to take home with us this morning. Number one, revival is about surrendering to the Lord. You've gotta be willing to surrender to the Lord. The hand of the Lord came upon me. The hand of the Lord carried me, brought me out. The Spirit of God. And the Bible says, he set me down in the midst of the valley. Now I wanna ask you a question this morning. Would you rather live your life on the mountaintop or in the valley? I would imagine there are some good country people here this morning that grew up in the valley. You know, a lot of things can happen in the valley. There are a lot of songs written about being in the valley. A uh, long time ago, my mom and dad moved to uh, Dayton, stopped in Dayton. Uh, here's, here's what happened. Dad came up with a cousin. They stopped in Dayton, stayed all night with his sister, and he got hired at a place called McCall's, Dayton Press. Went back to Coalfield, Tennessee, married my mom on Saturday, and they drove to Dayton on Sunday. The rest is history. The rest is history. You know what? There are a lot of fine Southern people who came from Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, West Virginia, places like that, and, and, and migrated north for work and brought good, strong, convictional praise for the Lord and were part of churches and came and were part of established Southern Baptist churches in Southwest Ohio. That's why, that's why I'm here. That's why many of you are here. Amen? If that's, if that's your story at all, raise your hand. Man, look at this. Look at this. You know what we have in our church? A bunch of hillbillies. But listen to me. It's not that way anymore. It's not that way anymore. There's not a hunger to leave your home and to find work like there once was coming from the south to the north. And when you get to the north, listen, there are over 700 Southern Baptist churches, over 47,000 Southern Baptist churches. But let me tell you something, listen carefully. If you read social media right now about the, about the Southern Baptist Convention, you're wondering what in the world, what kind of denomination do I belong to? It's crazy. That's what bothers me when some preacher can't commend a revival. Well, sure, they may do things differently with it than we do. That's why we have a membership class here. You may have grown up in a Southern Baptist church. We probably do some things different than the church you grew up did. We want to show you who we are. And folks, I'm telling you, our hope is not in a convention. Our hope is, is not in the way we do things. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you recognize you need to surrender to Christ, you are setting the stage for God to do something that he's been wanting to do for a long time. Revival. Now, every time this year, how many of you, uh, let's see, we're all alive this morning, are we not? If you are, say amen, okay? So all of us lived this past week, was it Thursday? 70 plus degrees during the day. How many of you went outside late Thursday? It was 40 degrees difference in one day. 
What do they say about Ohio weather? Just hang on 10 minutes, it'll change. Now, what I love about the fact is no snow. Amen? No snow. But here's what, here's what I want you to hear this morning. When you think about God doing a work in our life, listen, the temperature may be a little different from time to time. It might even take place in the same day where both the hot and cold exist, where, where things are rolling and the bottom of life has fallen out. But here's what God wants to do. He wants to make sure you recognize if anything's gonna happen, he's the one that's in charge. And here's what I found out about that weather forecast. Well, I guess in February it should be 30 degrees. 70's the exception. Let's make sure that we're willing to surrender to the Lord and that revival is not the exception. And by the way, don't tell me how spiritual you are on social media. Don't talk a big game for Jesus and live like the devil during the world, the week. Don't talk about how you love the things of God, but, but you don't do the church thing because somebody made you bad back in 1980. Folks, that stuff will not matter one bit in eternity. And I had a real dilemma this week. And it wasn't much of a dilemma once I thought about it. Yesterday, Shawnee was playing in the big game. Oh, the big game. One o'clock, the big game. Only to discover that the big game was gonna take place in Beaver Creek at 12 o'clock for Kobe. And once I got over the self-pity, I came to this conclusion. Nobody on that Shawnee team or those fans are gonna remember or care that Brother Greg wasn't there. But there's a little strawberry blonde boy that wonders if the cheerleader is gonna be in the stands. I don't say that to be funny or cute. There are some things that are obvious. And brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. Revival will not happen until there's full surrender. Full surrender. Now, it's in the valley where we recognize things, right? Sometimes in the valley, the mountain looks so wide. My, my, my mom and dad are from the mountains of East Tennessee. Um, like many of you, farmers, gardeners, Every year, I have big aspirations. Told my neighbor this week, I'm gonna make my garden bigger this year. And Renee's like, why, so that you'll have more weeds? But it's the valley, listen, it's in the valley where some things can happen. Here's what we see in the scripture. The valley was full, and there were even more than he could see Here's what we learn in the valley. It's in the valley where you really get a glimpse of reality. And here's what Israel looked like and here's what we can look like. You ready? When it comes to revival, most of the time our condition is worse than we think it is. It's worse than we think it is. So the prophet hears from God and he hears the word, son of man, can these bones live? And I love his answer, oh Lord God, you know. Ezekiel is simply saying, only Lord God, you know if these dry bones can live. What a question. It's impossible for man to give breath uh, into the graveyard. 
but God can turn any situation upright, amen? I mean, Ezekiel's right, only the Lord knows. And I get a sense that Ezekiel is trusting God. He's not, he's not reacting, he's not nervous, he's simply trusting God. Oh Lord, you know if revival can come. You know what we don't, you see what we can't, you desire for us what we need. Oh Lord, and then he says, again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Do you ever feel dry in your spiritual life? Do you ever wake up at night just thirsty? Do you ever come to church expecting? Do you ever just say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. God, God, you've got to help me. You've got to carry me. You've got to pick me up. That's what a surrendered life looks like. You don't have it all together. Nobody does. But God wants to use your life for his glory. And when you trust in him and in his power alone, he will give you what you need. Look at verse 5, chapter 37. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Now I recognize this morning that I'm preaching to mostly Christians. But I want to ask you here. Do you recognize that your only hope of heaven is in Jesus Christ? Okay, what does that not mean? It doesn't mean this church will get anybody to heaven. It doesn't mean your name on the roll is gonna get you to heaven. It doesn't mean how busy you are for the kingdom of God here in the church. Those are wonderful things. We recognize our only hope is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you trust in his power, you will begin to see that he's the one that can make things happen. Number three, real revival is when God's power is the only answer. Unexplainable. Only God. I don't believe it's a coincidence that the movie, The Jesus Revolution, was released Friday night. As a matter of fact, it was put back several times. And then all of a sudden, boom, it happens to be uh, on the on the edge of Asbury and everything that's happened over the past few weeks. Isn't that awesome? Renee and I invite any of you that would like to, that are available Tuesday night at 645 in Richmond, we're gonna be there. As a matter of fact, we'll, we'll pull the vans out here. If you wanna ride from here, we'll be here to leave from here probably about six o'clock. But we're just gonna come together. Most folks that have seen it said it's something. It's the story uh, of the Jesus movement that started in the late 60s, early 70s on the West Coast. It involves a fellow named Chuck Smith who was the pastor of Calvary Chapel who recognized that his church was empty and struggling and then God miraculously brought in a fresh voice and, and, uh, and that whole revival was born out of what many would say uh, a, a hippie movement of God, the least likely, and the pastor realizing that God to do something. Kelsey Grammer plays the role of Chuck Smith. Did anyone see Kelsey Grammer's interview on the show Kelly and Ryan, Regis and Kathy? They began to talk to Kel Kelsey Grammer's Frazier, if, if that rings a bell. They began to talk to Kelsey Grammer 
And Kelsey Grammer began to get emotional. And Ryan Seacrest said, man, Kelsey, I can see that you're emotional. What, what, what's this about? And he said, I love this movie. I, I love the story. He said, my wife saw it, and she said, it's, it's the best role you've ever played. And he goes, it talks about how a, even a preacher finds himself, and, the, and the God's plan is bigger than him, his limited view. And tears, I mean, just right there on daytime television, tears just st- strolled down his cheeks. Let me tell you something. When revival, uh, when revival happens, it's God's power, God's way. It's the only answer. And you might say, well, Brother Greg, we need to be careful. Preacher, but you got to be careful. Uh, don't let things get out of hand. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's time for it to get out of my hands. Maybe I've been holding on too tight. I can assure you, I'll, I'll address you if you're out of line with Scripture. But don't you want to see God do something you can't explain? Don't you want to see God do something bigger? Don't you want to see God put something back together that you think's forever broken? You might be here and you're thinking, well, Brother Greg, I don't even know if I'm going to heaven. Well, the good news is Jesus died for you. He died for me. And when you come to him by faith, here's all you're saying. In total surrender, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. You died on the cross for me. How can I ever thank you for that? Lord, I receive you into my heart to save me, help me to live for you. From this day forward, by faith, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Remember when you did that? Oh, it may have not been loud and boisterous like that, but you remember when you bent your knee? Do you remember when you said, Jesus, will you save me? Real revival is when God shows up. Real revival is when people talk more about God than they do the church. The Bible says uh, in verse 5, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews, tendons on you and bring flesh upon you. I'll cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, those are details. Only God can do that. But let me tell you something. When God's on the move, there are some things that you cannot explain. For instance, in Acts chapter two, at the day of Pentecost, the Bible says over 3,000 were added. Boy, what a logistical nightmare that must have been, right? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And, and when we're worried about things like that, God's saying, don't sweat it. I'll take care of the details. I'll put tissue on you. I'll cover you. And I will cause breath to enter you, verse seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Number four, the sound of revival is unmistakable. It's unmistakable. Leonard Ravenhill says, you never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there's a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. The community will already know it. Boy, there's some truth there. Now, it's interesting how the sounds of revival also shook some to move in faith. For instance, Abraham received instructions from God 
to leave his home and to follow God. Moses heard from a burning bush. Elijah, a still small voice, a gentle whisper. Mary and Joseph heard from an angel from heaven, the shepherds from the heavenly host. In Acts 2, there was a mighty rushing wind. In the conversion of Saul to the apostle Paul, there was an audible sound that was a blinding message. But here's the problem. Verse eight, indeed I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. I wonder this morning if there's anybody sitting here that's dead spiritually. I wonder if there are any Christians in the room this morning that just feel like you're dead spiritually. I'm telling you, uh, Ezekiel 36 and 37 are for you. I wonder if you're here today and you say, Brother Greg, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Then you are dead spiritually. And Jesus came to give you hope. And he came to give you hope and to rescue you from this thing called sin. And the good news is Jesus saves. He saves. I mean, look at your own life. Assess your own spiritual condition. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. God breathed life into us, empower us. That's what revival is. And make no mistake, the sounds of revival are unmistakable. Unmistakable. And when revival comes, you will recognize it. There's a rattling. There's a noise that becomes a beautiful sound. There's a response. There's suddenness. It can come in a moment. And folks, I want to remind you again this morning that Jesus is coming. He's coming again, and you may not be ready for it. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, everything wrapped up. Cody came in his office, and he goes, oh, no, Sarah forgot her phone. Oh, I don't like Sarah without a phone. This baby coming, and he began to worry. Sarah's already heading eastbound. And uh, he said, well, I'll just grab it and I'll just try to get as close to her as I can and, and get, get home about the same time. So it, it, for some reason, I just stayed a little longer Wednesday night and, and uh, all of a sudden I heard. Kind of made me afraid. I thought, Lord, some big man out here at the door. Who's knocking on the door late? They, they know I'm here. It's the only car. I walk down the hallway. There, there's somebody doing this. Guess who it was? Sarah. What was she looking for? Exactly. She didn't care about Cody. She was looking for her phone. She was looking for her phone. Cody has two phones, Sarah has backtracked from gratis, what do we do? We call Cody, who has two phones, and we say, what was lost has been found. Brother Greg says, you have it, and now he's still worried. We're separated by 15 miles. Oh, Sarah, meet me in gratis. I'll meet you in gratis, Sarah. Don't want this baby coming early. 
I'll meet you in Gratis, and all was well. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Listen, when the door gets knocked on in your life, make sure you answer it. Your spiritual condition, you cannot, it's not like receiving a phone call that you don't know who's calling, and you just kind of reject the call. Anybody do that? Make sure you answer. You say, well, really, Greg, I'm not sure I've ever heard it, heard, heard the gospel. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're hearing it this morning. There ain't no way anyway you're gonna be able to stand in front of a holy God and say, I didn't know what it took to be saved. You're hearing it this morning. Question is, will you respond? And when you respond, you can have revival, new life, new start. As a Christian, when you say, Lord, I'm sorry, God, give me a new start. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Breathe life into my dead bones. You can have a new start. But you've got to want it. But you've got to want it. Jesus is coming. Do you hear the sound? You see, the rattling brings a reunion. And I'll close with this. It's a reunion of God's power, God's plan, to God's people, for God's purpose, with God's passion, so that we praise God. That's the message of the gospel. The Old Path Quartet sings it this way. We get the grace, he gets the glory. He gets the glory. I don't know, do you hear it? I hear, I hear something. I hear something. And it sure does sound like God wants to breathe life into some dry bones. I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. The roof being blown off. It is the foundation being repaired. The foundation is repaired. If you're ready for a revival, stand up. I wanna thank you for your faithful giving. There are two ways we give here. One way is on your way out, you 